Ciao, Miyamiki. Bentornato al Goal Line Podcast. Sono il tuo ospiti, Patrick Cipher. Conoscioto anche come No Huddle NFL on TikTok and Instagram. I have been doing nothing for the past, like, 12 hours except take a English Regents. That was really easy. Study for the Italian final that I have tomorrow. That's probably going to be pretty unfair. And prepare for this exact podcast. But before I continue to rant about said Italian exam, let me introduce the guest we have on today. It's been a long time since we had him on. The fullback fiend himself, Mr. David Miller. That that was surely an intro. <laughs> it That was one of the intros of all time. It, it was definitely forced, but I, I just want you all to share <laughs> my pain. All right. The same pain I've had studying for a class that I should probably be failing, but Google Translate has made sure I'm not. Now you guys have to share that pain. You have to take an Italian class in high school. So it's not a requirement after the first two years. Uh huh. But the teacher likes me, and because of that, it raises my average, like, severely. The teacher is a really nice, like, older lady. And because she likes me, I get, like, a 97 every quarter when that's how I speak Italian. (laughs) So, you know what? I'm not going to complain too much. It's just the final is going to make my average severely drop. You know what? Fair enough. But you know what? We got NFL football to talk about. All right? We're no longer talking about these other countries. It's about America, brother. Yeah. Damn straight. The best country on the planet. No competition. So me and you have obviously had our back and forth since the last time you came on the show. Mm-hmm. On multiple platforms, including Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. But I want to talk about a recent thing that came up on my Twitter feed. Uh, okay. The Steve Avela getting his contract. Oh, I'm getting a lot of hate for saying that he had no business being drafted ahead of Osiris Torrance, and I still stand by that. But you're one of the people think, that argue against that. And yeah, I think you're uh, a goofball for standing by that take. Well, no. So, should the Rams have taken Osiris Torrance over Steve Avella? No. Should the Rams have traded back to another team that needs a guard so they could take a prospect that I think, if you ignore tackles being more valuable than guards would have been the best offensive lineman in the draft class, I think that that's a mistake. Because I think Osiris Torrance and Steve Avell, Steve Avell is good in his own right. Osiris Torrance is on a different tier, in my mind. Look, here's my thing. Okay, first of all, the whole trading back. If they trade back, there's no guarantee they're still getting Avila. There's no reason to risk it. Um, And I also think you're you're a little higher on Torrance than I was because the best offensive lineman for me, regardless of, pos- or irregardless of position rather was um, John Michael Schmitz. I thought he was a better prospect than Osiris Torrance. I like Torrance a lot. Don't get me wrong. He was the best guard in the class for me, but uh, unfortunately I think you're making this out to be a bigger issue than it is. No, it's not like the Rams are a fraudulent franchise because of it. I just think, I just find it more fascinating 
how much backlash I'm getting. Because I don't know if you looked, but a lot of people disagree with that. And I don't really... Well, I think it's because you worded it poorly. Even you went back and said you should have worded it differently. Because the way you worded it, you're making it seem like you think Osiris Torrance should have been the pick. And the Rams are idiots for passing on Torrance when, at the end of the day, Avila is a much, much better fit for what they need. No, but I just find it so strange how... I even after I admitted that I worded it wrong, which I absolutely did. There's still so many people being like, "What are you talking about? Steve Avila was a first round pick on some mock drafts," which I might have seen one single I don't mock think draft. I saw that at all. Yeah, someone said that the Cowboys were contemplating taking him. That would be a very cowboy move. What? Imagine if they took him over. Mozzie Smith was such a great pick. That that would like the fact that they were even considering taking Avela over him. If that's true, I don't know where they heard that. The fact mm-hmm. that they're even considering that almost makes me take back any compliments I gave them for the Mozzie Smith pick. Yeah, no, that that would have been an all time goof by Dallas if they would have taken Avila over Mozzie for sure. And that's another I, team. I, I don't even think you could bring up the the scheme argument, which I think is the only argument you could have for Avela over Osiris Torrance. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like I said, I think Torrance is the better player. Like, I, I'm with you there 100%. It's just the Rams love their wide zone offense. They want a guard that can really get out there and move incredibly well, plus the entirety of the interior of their offensive line needs work. And Avila has that flexibility to play guard or center. So he's going to be playing somewhere no matter what. Yeah, and that's true. But uh, I'm really not that confident that if they traded back, they would have missed out on Avila, depending on how far they trade back. I mean, that's that's getting into hypotheticals. Yeah, it is. That's kind of a subjective point at that point. Like, maybe he's still there. Maybe he's not. We don't know. I can't get mad at the Rams for not wanting to take the risk of him not being there personally. But is Avela really this, like, can't-miss prospect? I don't really think so. I thought I had him as my second or third highest-rated guard. And, like I I said, the Rams' interior offensive line was ass. Like, they really needed something. Yeah, and that's true. I can see why they wanted him so bad. But, like, let's say they trade back, then they take, even, like, at center, they're week two, correct? So maybe they just find themselves going with John Michael Smith instead, which you just admitted yourself, you liked him more. Mm -hmm. Like, that would have been a good pick. There were other centers in the draft class I liked. Not many other guards after you move on from Torrance and Avela that I really like. Those are definitely the top two guys. I don't think anyone's going to say. Uh, although I do like Voorhees. He's coming off the ACL injury. So that scares you off him. Yeah. Mm. I still think he fell way too far, though. I think everyone agrees on that, right? Yeah, I think for the most part. Yeah, ask anybody. They're going to say Voorhees was a steal. You know, I, I just felt like I had to address that in case one single person needed to hear me double down on my take. I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do it all day because I love offensive linemen that just move people yeah i mean i get that 100 percent, and you know i'm in the same boat i love me an old school guard that's not afraid to punch somebody in the mouth but uh i can't say i blame the rams for the decision they made i think they for what they need and what they prioritize i think they went the right route I, i'm mainly just pissed that he fell to a passing uh, no. team 
that pisses me yeah, off so that, much. That's incredibly valid. I mean, I, I'm mad that he fell as far as he did too. I would have liked to see him go somewhere where he's going to get the mall guys in the run game as well. But, you know, that's that's the beauty of the draft, I suppose. Yeah. Sorry about my dog. If you could hear him, he decides to bark I can't at the hear board. Him. Oh, let's go. See, the new mic is really coming in handy. Uh, so let's move on to the first actually relevant topic that isn't just me ranting about people disagreeing with me. I hate the internet. Isn't that all you do? <laughs> That's not true, is it? I mean, it kind of is. Name one or other your... time. Name one other time? Uh, when we did the big draft with, like, ten people, that was one of the... Your big highlight was ranting about someone disagreeing with you and then you proving them wrong. Oh, yeah, the, uh... The what's it called? The Calais Ringo to the Cardinals? Yeah. Well, it's an even bigger highlight because he's supposed to be a Cardinals fan. He should know that. That's his own fault. Yeah. But I wasn't <laughs> ranting about it. I was just backing uh, myself up. You got up. a little ranty. You got a little ranty. Mm. <laughs> I think the term rant is very flexible on the internet. If you talk for longer than 10 seconds, you're ranting. Yeah, uh, that's relatively true. And I am one to go on. Listen, I, I don't rant. I go, I double down on my takes, all right? Because I'm not just going to, like, back off. I'm not submissive, all right? Like, if I'm right, I'm right. Like, and I, I'm right here. Osiris Torrance is going to be a consistent pro bowler. Meanwhile, Avail is going to be good. But he's not going to be Osiris Torrance. Watch him retire from football tomorrow to become a car salesman. And I'll... And I'll have him as one of the biggest what ifs. <laughs> oh my goodness. The the agendas with Patrick Cipher are plentiful, that's for sure. Well, there's one agenda I push alongside pretty much the rest of the NFL community with a brain. You shouldn't pay running backs. Or alright, it's it's simple. You should not pay running backs in the double digit millions. Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley are both trying to change that narrative severely. And while I get it from the player's perspective, it isn't going to change. Am I wrong for saying that? I don't think you're wrong for saying that, but it's it's heartbreaking. I was going to say it's dumb, but it's not. It's, it's the right move. I just hate it. Yeah, it, it may be heartbreaking, but with how the salary cap is... There's mm -hmm. no reason to be paying them that type of money. Absolutely. I mean, the good thing is, for Saquon and Josh Jacobs, is there were two running backs taken in the top 15 this year. Yeah. So that's great. Were those two running backs both picked because of just their ability to play the running back position? No, but, you know, maybe that's it. Maybe more of these running backs need to start playing the versatile wide back, quote-unquote, titled by Debo, role. Maybe they need to start doing that more to actually have value to these teams beyond just, yeah. you know, four years and then, oh, we're going to franchise tag you a couple times. Because that that's yeah. how I see it. There's, there's no reason for teams to be paying running backs big money. With the salary cap and how the league is set up, it's just pointless, really. Yeah. I I don't really have anything to add to that. I can't disagree at all. I mean, I'm trying to think 
we saw what one running back get an actual contract this offseason. It was David Montgomery. And I think most people are kind of in agreement that that wasn't a fantastic move by Detroit. Um, even though, you know, me personally, I kind of wanted Chicago to pay him myself, but, uh, it, uh, it's tough. It's really tough because I hate to see these guys, you know, have a four year lifespan in the league. Like at this point, it's almost like running backs have a shorter lifespan than the top tier fullbacks because we've seen Ricard and Juszczyk dominating for almost 10 years apiece. And I don't know, is there any running back that's been balling for almost a decade now at this point that is like actually relevant? The only running back that's been relevant for like a long time, I guess, is like... I mean, I was looking at Cook's numbers earlier, and we're going to talk more about Cook later, but it hasn't been even close to a decade, but, I mean, he's been pretty damn consistent. Derek Henry is also up there in age, but even he, Mm -hmm. it's not a decade. Yeah, we're looking at, what, five, six years for those guys, maybe seven? Yeah, and here we are talking about them like it's some anomaly, which the crazy thing is it is an anomaly. Yeah. But... Listen, I've talked about this example constantly, but now I finally got the exact numbers to back it up. I talk about it all the time whenever someone mentions the value of running backs. The past five Super Bowls, right? Ten Super Bowl teams. The past ten Super Bowl teams. Let me read you all of their highest paid running backs. 2022 Chiefs, the winner of this year's Super Bowl. Their highest paid running back, Ronald Jones who was barely utilized, so let's start off with that, mm-hmm. and he was only getting paid $1.5 million. Before that, or the loser of that Super Bowl, before I move on to the Super Bowl before that, the Eagles in 2022, their highest paid running back, Boston Scott, also utilized very little, but still he was mm-hmm. only getting paid $1.75 million. 2021, Rams, Shoney Michelle. $1.79 million. 2021 Bengals, one of the two exceptions on this entire list, Joe Mixon, $8.1 million. One of the two that is getting paid more than $5 million. Or, this is their cap hit, by the way, not just how much they're getting paid. Right. 2020 Bengals, or 2020 Buccaneers, sorry. Leonard Fournette, $2.5 million. 2020 Chiefs, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, $1.96 million. Also was a draft pick. Is I believe that was his rookie year, yeah. Yeah. Then twenty nineteen Chiefs, LeSean McCoy. I'm sorry, how did you just pronounce his name? LeSean McCoy? LeSean McCoy. Alright, my bad. I was gonna say I don't think I've ever heard it, a human <laughs> being on this planet say LeSean. It's LeSean McCoy. I, I I should have more respect on the guy. You're right there. Yeah, respect Shady McCoy. He was a little bit before my time. Let me remind you of that. In case yeah, you just want to be got reminded YouTube. of that. Yeah, well, no, no, no. I know McCoy in the snow, different animal. Uh-huh. I, I have a habit of just that name. Listen, I could pronounce Robert Tunyon the correct way. I'm one of the few people that actually will. But mm-hmm. for some reason, seeing LaShawn McCoy, I pronounce it LeSean. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I'm reading it. <laughs> That is not what I thought was going to come out of your mouth. What? <laughs> We're just going to just move on because what I thought was way worse. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, 2019 <laughs> Chiefs, LaShawn McCoy, a.k.a. LeSean. 
3 million. 2019 49ers, Tevin Coleman, 3.36 million. Then 2018 Patriots, James White, 3 million. 2018 Rams, Todd Gurley, 7.2 million. Two of those guys were a cap hit above 5 million. And both of those guys were on a losing team. Todd Gurley and Joe Mixon. I mean, I think that's just proof. Most of those guys weren't, not most, but a lot of those guys weren't even the lead back on their team. So why are you going to pay a running back big money? If it has been proven time and time and time and time again that you can win, that you will win a Super Bowl if you're not paying a running back. Yeah, I mean, there really isn't a reason to, just to double down on that point, right? Not necessarily Super Bowl team. Well, one of them was a Super Bowl team. But you look at the top two rushing offenses in football last year, Philadelphia and Chicago. Both of them, they're not their lead rusher, but their lead back, being David Montgomery and Miles Sanders, both hit the open market. And neither team seemed to have any interest in retaining them, like, whatsoever. Um. And, and I think that speaks volumes because I, I think, you know, you look at like EPA per play and whatnot, it, it's those two were pretty high, like head and shoulders above the league. And then you look at the, the like the yardage numbers and things like that. And it was clear that, you know, you can bring the mobile quarterback factor into it and whatnot. But the point is David Montgomery, Miles Sanders, still very productive backs for those two teams, very important for their run game, best in the league for both teams. And, you know, they're just letting these guys hit the open market. Like, it's nothing. They didn't attempt to franchise tag them. They didn't try to negotiate with them for a, you know, reduced price, at least from what we know publicly. They just said, you know what? We don't need you anymore. And um, I, I think that speaks volumes as well. You know, you look at the Super Bowl teams, then you look at that, and it's like, like you said, what's the point? It sucks. I hate it more than anyone, but... It's just the way things are now. And again, the only way I think it will change won't be guys like Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley that might not be replaceable because they are definitely high caliber talents. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that's going to be enough to change how running backs get paid. The only thing that's going to change it is guys like B. John Robinson and Jameer Gibbs not just being great running backs, but being great at the other stuff that's far less replaceable. Mm -hmm. Because that's why paying McCaffrey, people don't really have a problem with that, because he adds something that isn't really a running back thing. Yeah. In order to be a running back that's worth being paid, is, as ironic as it sounds, to not be a running back. Is to be... You know, I can line up in the backfield, but I could also line up in the slot if you want me to. I could do all this other stuff. That's the only way that value will be added to the running back position. As the salary cap yeah. continues to rise, they're going to get paid a little bit more. But in order to really make that monumental jump, it's going to have to be a change in how these running backs play the game. Yeah, At least I that's mean, how we're... I see it. We're trending towards a league full of Austin Ecklers, and I think that might be my worst nightmare. Like, but with every is... Austin Eckler, there's going to be, even if they're not getting paid much, there's going to be a role for your LeGarrette. No, clubs. absolutely, but no, it, it, I'll put it this way. Halfbacks that 
aren't pass catchers are going to become the new fullbacks where they matter. They do their thing, but their snap count is greatly reduced and nobody's talking about them unless they're scoring touchdowns on the goal line. And, you know, me being me, that's, again, my worst nightmare. I hate the thought of that because if you take away the, the power element of football and re- like offensive football and reduce it even more than it already has been, it's just not football anymore, man. It's it's a game of catch. Maybe I'm overreacting. I, I I'm mean, probably overreacting what and if, being pissed. What if we but... eventually get to a point where there's a really good receiving back that can also run with power? Well, then that man will become my savior. Well, I mean, I it's will not, hail it's him not like the Messiah. <laughs> no, it's not. It's just uh, I don't think. So here's the thing, right? Uh, like I said, we've already seen this happen with fullbacks, and that's why it worries me. Because we, there are still kids coming up through high school and college that are these versatile fullback build type of players, right? Where they're big, they're physical, they've got that mean streak to them, they like to catch the ball, things like that. They get moved around now. They're not playing fullback when they hit college. They're playing linebacker, they're playing defensive end, they're special teamers, or they get straight up moved to halfback. And if we start to get this trend where teams only want pass-catching running backs, then a lot of these kids that could be, you know, these versatile backs that have power and can catch the ball out of the backfield, unless we're talking about a Bijan Robinson-level player, they're probably going to switch positions so they get, you know, uh, they get paid more when they get to the NFL because at the end of the day, that's what's happening. You know, fullbacks don't get paid anything. So these kids, they come in, they want to switch to linebacker, they want to switch to tight end, and then they get to the NFL and they're making actual money. So I I think, again, this is like worst case doomsday scenario, hit the red button and start over, right? I'm not saying this is a definite, but there is a world where I think that sort of becomes the the trend for the running backs that could potentially be like a Bajan Robinson, if they're not quite on his psycho elite level. And the, again, the thought of that keeps me up at night. So that I get, but at the same time, I think it's going to depend on the team, depend on the coaches. Now I know mm-hmm. there was probably the same stuff being said when the position of fullback was starting to die out, but I really it can't still applies though. I really can't imagine every single coach is going to be like, oh, yeah, I just want a running back that could, you know, make the quick cuts, you know, do stuff in space. Mm-hmm. I don't think every team is just going to adopt an outside zone philosophy. I, I just can't see right. that happening. So I think the running backs that really have value are going to be the ones that are, like you said, the, you know, receivers that are shifty and they don't really run with much power that are doing the other stuff. Those are going to be the guys that have value in terms of the financial stuff and in terms mm-hmm. of their ability to actually get paid. But there still is going to be a role to some teams for the Derrick Henrys, the Nick Chubbs of the world. The problem is going to be those guys just aren't going to get paid. Yeah. And again, to, to double down on my point, if you replace the word running back with fullback with everything you just said, That would have been me like five years ago. So it's scary. (laughs) 
like I, I I am seeing history start to repeat itself and I fear what is coming. Like replace the whole wide back thing with tight end and replace Derrick Henry with Vontae Leach or Lorenzo Neal. And all of a sudden we're 10 years in the past and I'm 12 years old, just now learning what a fullback is. And little do I know I'm going to learn about it and then it's going to go away, kind of. And it's the same thing. Like you have these coaches right now who their offenses couldn't function without a fullback like Shanahan or McDaniel or, uh, you know, Chicago's offense with Getze or uh, the Raiders run game last year, getting such a massive boost from the addition of Jakob Johnson. Like there are still going to be teams that use those guys. But like you said, their value is going to diminish tremendously. They're going to be a dime a dozen if I mean, they already are, but it's going to get even worse. And, you know, they're they're not going to get the credit. They're not going to get the recognition. They're not going to get the, the financial benefit that some of their more athletic counterparts will get. And I absolutely get that. But the reality is, if you're if your teams, you're not just going to if you're a GM, you're not just going to pay these guys to keep the position alive. You want to win. And right. as much as it pains me to say it, in order to win, the running backs that run with power are just getting replaced every four years. You're not sticking with one for more than that. Everybody says that until the Titans make a miraculous run this year. If they make a miraculous run, it's going to be a series of miraculous runs every play for the Titans. Because that is the yeah. only way that could happen. They. Imagine the discourse next offseason if the Titans make it to and win the Super Bowl on the shoulders of Derrick Henry. Just Derrick Henry. Imagine if they finish with double-digit wins. Yeah. With just Derrick Henry. I I mean, Mike Vrabel wins Coach of the Year. Oh, absolutely. No question about it. But there's another example of the decline of the running back position from a value perspective, and it's another recent piece of news that a lot of people have been talking about Dalvin Cook just straight up being released not even traded what do you think of this entire situation well I mean you look at the numbers last year he was what like one of the least efficient backs in football despite having over a thousand yards and you look at the Vikings offense and the way it's trending that it is very clearly leaning on the pass game over everything you're saying Um, efficient hold on you're saying efficient in terms of like the advanced analytics correct yeah, all efficiency right. stats and whatnot. Yeah. You know, I, I don't buy into all that too much, but I know people out there like to get their grubby fingers on it, so I figured I'd uh, throw it out there. But either way, the point is, Derek, or not Derek Henry, Jesus, Dalvin Cook was very clearly not Dalvin Cook last year. It, it He wasn't quite washed, but you could tell he'd lost a step or two. And the reality of the situation is with they freed what like 12 million dollars in cap by waiting until after june 1st to cut him for a running back that hasn't been himself the team's looking to pass the ball a lot more and you know alexander madison and to a lesser extent for now Dwayne mcbride aren't like incompetent so it's not like they physically can't run the ball without cook it's not like it's all of a sudden goes from they're one of the best rushing teams in football to one of the worst. They're going to go from like mediocre to slightly less mediocre or slightly worse mediocre, if that makes any sense. So I, I get why they cut him, and I'm not surprised that nobody wanted to trade for him because I think everybody knew the Vikings were just kind of desperate to get him out of Minnesota. So I wouldn't want to give up the assets either if I thought that there was a legitimate chance he was going to get cut. 
and the contract. Contract. Yeah, a big absolutely. Part you trade for him, you pick up the contract too. Mm-hmm. And that's a big part of this. We just went over how no one wants to pay a running back. The Vikings didn't want to either. That's why they released him. And no other team wanted to trade for him. And that's why they had to release him instead of just trading him. Because mm-hmm. you trade him, you trade him with the contract. No one else wants to pick up that contract. Vikings didn't want to keep it either. There he goes. He's gone. Bada bing, bada boom. Out of here. Very simple. It isn't 2019 anymore, okay? Dalvin Cook is no longer some headline stud. So the fact that when this guy got released, I was seeing all over everywhere. Dalvin Cook landing spots. Dalvin Cook is a must-sign free agent. Where is he going to go? Listen, is Cook still a top 32 running back in this league? Some people may disagree, apparently. (laughs) But I absolutely do think so. And I think he could still be a lead back somewhere. I mean, the guy had a 1,000 yards behind an offensive line that was pretty banged up. Mm-hmm. At the same time, though, this guy clearly lost a step, like you said. I do think he could be a lead back or even a really good change of pace back for a team. But I do not consider him some top 10 running back anymore. He still has some some ability. It's very clear when you watch the guy's film, but... He's also on the decline, and seems like he's asking for a bit of money, too. Mm -hmm. It's not some, like, oh, yeah, wherever this team, whatever team he signs with, they're getting a stud of cheap. Like, no, it's not like that at all, because, like I just said, he's old for a running back. He's going to get paid a decent amount of money just because of name value. Mm-hmm. I don't know what team would really love to do that. I mean, I have some ideas, but this is a guy that just isn't explosive, can't really make the big plays anymore. There's not too much value here. There's not too much value unless he's willing to take a really team-friendly deal, but I, I don't see that happening. What teams do you think are going to probably show some interest? I mean, I feel like the obvious answer and the almost cop-out answer is Miami. Yeah. Like, we know Mike McDaniel cares about the run game, which is why he's one of my favorite coaches in football. He views the entirety of offense as centered around the running game. He, you know, his short, quick passing game is very much just saying, we're going to throw the ball as an extension of our run game. And right now, his room is what? Jeff Wilson, uh, Raheem Mostert, and Devon A-Chain. Now, hold on there, though. I I understand, yeah, he's big on the running game, but what else did San Fran really like to do at the running back position? Were they one to spend big for the big-name guy? Well, no, 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 absolutely not. But I'm just saying, at some point, Dalvin's going to realize his worth right he he's not gonna get this big contract he thinks he's worth and i think once he gets to that point that's when miami's gonna hit his line and be like hey man listen you know we're not gonna pay you big money it doesn't look like anyone else is going to but you come here this is your best chance at being productive and maybe making a name for yourself and then if you play good you know on a one-year deal maybe we can talk about something else and kind of give him that hope going into next year right that's more my thought process with it with Miami. I don't think 
like you said, he's not a can't miss free agent that must be signed and turns a team from a borderline playoff team to a contender or anything. But if he just kind of accepts the reality of the situation is like, you know what? I'll sign for cheap with a team that's going to use me and going to get actual value out of me. Then I think Miami's the perfect landing spot for him. Yeah. I mean, everyone's saying Miami and I agree. If he gets humbled to that point, that's probably what's going to happen. Now there is one team that I I mean, this one is kind of like a gut feeling type of thing. Even though it really doesn't make too much sense from a team-building perspective. But it's kind of just the, what do you think I'm going to say? I really hope you're not going to say what I keep seeing rumored. I don't think this one's been rumored. Okay, go ahead and say your piece then. So, the thing with this is, you kind of have a complete running back room, even if the lead back stays injured. But, you're building a super team, or at least you seem like you're trying to. (laughs) Why not grab the big-name running back, even if you're overpaying? I think Dalvin Cook to the Jets, it's just really a gut-feeling thing. I don't think it's really smart to do it, but I could really just see them, again, committing to building this super team by adding what they believe is going to be a big name for them. That that would certainly be a move. Again, I don't really love it because they have backs. <laughs> yeah. I like, they have a Benacanda. They have mm-hmm. Bam Bam Cam, Bam Bam Knight. I almost said Bam Bam Cam. They people have... call him Bam Bam Knight? You didn't hear that? No. No, people were calling that him that. Didn't he have like 100 yards in one game, right? Like yeah, he had one yeah. really, he had really good really game. one really good game, game, and then people started calling him Bam Bam Knight or just Bam Knight. Interesting. But the point right there is you could obviously assume just based off the nickname, Bam Knight was a really good, like, power guy. Uh-huh. Banacanda, we know if you watched his film, he was a big power guy. If Brees Hall isn't 100%, you have that change of pace elusive aspect. I don't know if it's worth paying him for, but maybe it's also part of it you want to steal him from Miami. I see yeah. some logic here. Again, I wouldn't do it. I don't think it would be overly smart, but I definitely see a thought process that could allow this to happen. Yeah. I mean, from my perspective looking at it, obviously, like you said, there's no guarantee Brees Hall's coming back healthy. I didn't like a Banacanda. I was not moved by him. I like Michael Carter a good bit little bit of North Carolina bias in there, but I, I still like what he brings to the table. And then obviously Zonovan Knight was pretty solid. Um, But yeah, I mean, the Jets are going all in. It's very, very clear that they think this is their year. They're putting all their chips on the table. If they've got the money to do it, and he, like you mentioned as well, you can steal them away from Miami. It, it makes sense. I guess once you start to break it down and actually look at it rather than, you know, first reacts and you just hear the Jets add another running back, I, I guess. Yeah, exactly. There's there's a world where it makes sense. and It's mainly you know, for the defense from Miami, I think, is the main logic. Yeah. That being said, another, like, kind of gut-feeling thing, this is a team that has running backs on their roster besides their lead guy that I like, but I don't know how much they like their guys. Mm-hmm. 
they had a one-two punch of their amazingly back and Kareem Hunt. Now let's make another one-two punch, Dalvin Cook and Nick Chubb. I think, again, I, could work. I don't see that working for Cleveland. Why not? I just, I think it, they've made it very clear what they want in an RB2. And I don't think Dalvin Cook offers, like, anything that Hunt offers. Well, like I think you're looking at two I'm completely thinking, different ball players. I again, I think well, they'd be more why. likely to I to let Jerome Ford. Pace. Yeah, Jerome Ford. I like him. I don't know how much yeah. Cleveland likes him though. Yeah, and yeah, and that's fair. Again, these are, the weird thing with running back is it seems like you could really throw anyone anywhere, just assuming they're willing to take a team friendly deal. I just looked at teams that have a surprisingly good amount of cap space like for some reason the jets have they're up there in terms of cap space and yeah same with cleveland even though they're paying deshaun a lot of money they restructured his deal and they have just like 15 million lying around why not add the change of pace guy i think the jets are more likely but i think a one-year deal i agree hook could happen I don't know. I, I don't, like I said, I don't see him going to Cleveland just because they, with the way they used Hunt, I think they'd rather have a running back that can do the same things he was doing, and I don't see Cook being that type of guy. Well, I think if they wanted someone that could do the same things he's doing, why haven't they signed Hunt again? Or who have well, they Hunt signed? Made a, like, didn't Hunt try to get traded last year? Like, doesn't he not want to be in Cleveland? Or was it a uh, money thing? It was either I he didn't want to be in Cleveland or he wanted thing. more money. But yeah. clearly right now, if it's a money thing, is he going to get that money anywhere else? It's no, but a while for him to still maybe he's still got it in his mind that he's going to get it somewhere. Maybe he's waiting for an injury. Could be. I, f- I just and find I mean, that unlikely. I thought the reason they moved on from Hunt, at least partially, was because Hunt wasn't exactly everything they were looking for. But again, we don't know. Well, we're not Kevin could be the case, Right. I just think Dalvin Cook plays a very, you know, you're, you're the thunder on the lightning type. Yeah. Brand of I football. I get that. You know, Nick Chubb is the power guy. Cook could be the change of pace guy but again this is all assuming that cook wants to be and he's fine being some change of pace guy that's what i was just about to say yeah the dude's been the guy in minnesota for his entire career who's to say he's cool with taking a step back which which team other than miami which i know you mentioned them what team really is looking for that at the moment um Again, I, I think Miami's a, Miami's a possibility, but I, I just think, again, with yeah. San Fran roots being there, I just can't see a Shanahan coach going with a lead back, although then again, they just got CMC. So what do I know? Yeah. But it, it, um, Cook isn't any CMC. No, absolutely not. So that's what makes it so tough. I think he's going to just have to go with the punches, roll with the punches become a complimentary back. Yeah. I mean, that's probably his best bet. Again, it just comes down to whether or not he's willing to swallow that pill. And some guys, you know, they, they just aren't. I mean, that's why Zeke hasn't signed anywhere yet. 
Well, I can almost guarantee that's why Zeke hasn't signed anywhere yet. It probably is, knowing him. Yeah. The egomaniac he is. I mean, the right play for him, because he has a very clear role. Zeke uh-huh. is a very nice role player to have. And I think a lot of teams would like to have that type of role player. The very good pass-blocking running back that could also be good in those short yardage situations. That's the back Cleveland should go get to be the replacement for Kareem Hunt. Yeah, but again, to me, the question is, do they want a replacement for Hunt? Well, and we right, don't I'm just saying, assuming they want to go that route, just like doubling down on my point, if they were going to go get anybody, I think Zeke fits that a lot better if that's what they're looking for. Yeah. Again, like you I said, just we think, don't know. Exactly. I just think if they're going for a change of pace, give me the exact opposite of Nick Chubb, they go with Dalvin Cook. Yeah, and no, that I mean, that makes sense 100%. Um, I'm just leaning more into the idea of they were pissy with Hunt wanting actual money, and that's why they let him go. Again, that's something we'll only find out as the offseason continues. Right, I do absolutely. think they're going to add a running back to that room, though. I'd be very mm-hmm. surprised. Again, I like the rest of their room. I do, but... Who else do they have? It's Chubb, Ford, and who else is there? I mean, I remember they had... Uh, I was thinking Ford. Ford was the guy I was thinking of. Uh-huh. They had that guy, Dearnest something, but I think yeah, Dearnest Johnson. Is he still go- Is he still there? I know he had that um, really I'm good checking. game, like Thursday night against the Broncos out of nowhere. Like no, he's ago. not. They got Nate yeah. McCray, John Kelly Jr., and Demetric Felton Jr. Oh, Demetric Felton is competent. Yeah, and that's all you need. Yeah, again, as a third back or a fourth back. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. But I just think, again, if they were so willing to bring in Kareem Hunt, I think they want a change. I think they want an extra back that's really like, oh, yeah, that's a big name, and Cook is a big name. But again, we, we don't know exactly what they're looking for. It really depends on that. Yeah. I do think they could definitely afford to add a little bit more elusiveness to the running back room, and that's why Cook makes some sense there. Anyway, let's talk about, we were going to talk about the Stefan Diggs situation that happened. Then it resolved itself. Exactly. Stefan Diggs, he wanted to cause a lot of drama because Lord forbid a wide receiver be good at football and not cause a lot of drama. Yeah. But he decided to resolve itself or resolve the conflict. Because, Lord forbid, I can make content about said drama. So, what do you think of the most off-season storyline, off-season storyline of all off-season storylines? What was he even upset about? Like, what what was the problem? Is he just mad they didn't win? Well, I... I, What does he have to be upset about? I remember when he forced his way out of Minnesota... Uh-huh. He was mad because he wasn't getting the ball a, a lot. And maybe he was thinking, yeah, you give me the ball more, we win that game. Maybe that's his thought process. I remember he yelled, uh, like, you remember him yelling at Josh yeah. Allen on the sideline of the Bengals game. That was the last time we saw him. We can only assume it has to do with that. Right. So strange, though, because... McDermott said, we're very concerned, or I'm very concerned. Mm -hmm. But then, this happens. And we hear all that other stuff about it just being an injury or whatever. 
So, like, what the hell was this entire situation? I really, again, this could just be me trying to milk the offseason storyline. This might just be the content creator in me. But, I really do think the conflict isn't completely resolved. And it's going to be something that pops up, like, week eight, if they lose three games straight. It just pops up out of nowhere. He answers a... Uh, press conference question in a in the wrong way, and all of a sudden these conversations are starting back up. Yeah, no, I I hate to to just label players a diva, but I do think Diggs is just in his diva era. Unfortunately, Listen, it, it happens once. Fine, it happened once. This is the second time. Yeah, I I think it's very clear when someone. You know, I think it's very clear when someone is like a locker room cancer type of guy. And maybe he's not quite an Antonio Brown. I don't think anyone's ever going to be quite an Antonio Brown. Would be entertaining if someone becomes another Antonio Brown. But I'm not going to wish that upon the league. I was going to say, I'm not going to wish that upon humanity. (laughs) Hey, he made made must-watch television whether it was on the field or off of it i mean yeah but you know <laughs> morals uh, and ethics and whatnot yeah all, all that grown adult stuff yeah that you don't have to worry about mr i'm still 17 damn straight uh yeah it but stefan diggs <laughs> shut up boomer stefan diggs he's just causing drama or maybe it's not him causing it but he's Elevating it into being drama. drama? (laughs) He's elevating it into drama. Yeah. But it's over. I still think temporarily, but it is over at the moment, so there's no point in continuing to talk about it. Well, no, I I just want to... I want to bring up one more thing. That just... It was kind of funny, but also I felt really bad. It's just... In the the whirlwind that was this whole dig situation, they were talking to Josh Allen, and he was like, I don't know, I think he's mad at me. And I felt so bad because, <laughs> you know, they talked all last season about him and Josh being like super close and they played Fortnite and Warzone together and all this different stuff. And it just seemed like the vibes changed. Like, I think since that game, him and Josh haven't queued up and Josh has really <laughs> taken it to heart. Yeah. And like, granted, he's got a quite the distraction that we're just not going to acknowledge beyond me acknowledging it once. Um, But I, I'm sure... I just feel bad for Josh. I hope their relationship isn't strained like his and Kirk's. Yeah, I mean... That's the last thing the world needs, is someone that hates Josh Allen. That's the last thing the Bills need. Yeah. But you're you're completely right. Josh Allen is definitely one of, if not the most likable person in the entire NFL at the moment. He's just just such a goofy guy. Like... I'd queue up with Josh Allen in the Fortnite lobby. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'd drop tilted with him. That's even still a thing. I know the maps change 16 times over, but. You yeah, know. I'm not I'm not overly familiar with how the Fortnite map is looking at the moment. You're 17. You're supposed to be. This is why you're here. <laughs> you're supposed to be hip to the kids and the culture. I'm supposed to be the out of touch old head. <laughs> Yeah, nah. I'm too busy touching up on my Italian. <laughs> Jesus. This guy. <laughs> but, 
Yeah, as we would say in Italy, this this entire Diggs-Josh Allen situation is a molto no buono. What does that non mean? Non buono. I might have said that wrong, but it's very bad. Ah, uh, I see. Grande problemo, even. So kind of like no bueno? Yeah, pretty much. We... Okay, I see, I see. I, I took a little Spanish back in the day. <laughs> that was my foreign language I took for two years and didn't learn anything but, like, no bueno and puedo ir al baño. Uh, but, yeah, back to football. America, yes, of course. once again. Football. Ford F-150. Football Freebird. Hamburg. Yes. The Bills, instead of talking about the Stefan Diggs situation, we're just going to talk about the Bills' expectations for the season. A lot of people talk about their a lot of people talk about their uh window closing in terms of a Super Bowl. I don't see it closing, at least right now. They didn't lose too no. much. I mean they lost Tremaine Edmonds. And then besides that they lost oh no, Devin Singletary's gone. Yikes. <sighs> they lost oh, Jamison no. Crowder and Isaiah McKenzie, yeah. They're fine. They're still gonna be a really good football team. They're gonna compete. They're going to have a healthy yeah. defense. They lost Leslie Frazier for this year, which sucks. Yeah, absolutely. But they're still... Listen, I don't think Tredavious White's going to have another down year like that, right? Is that a safe bet, bet to make? Um, I don't know. What was his big injury? Was it an ACL tear? I, I don't know exactly what it was, but I do remember him getting hurt. That entire defense yeah, was getting hurt, though. A, they have to... Yeah. There's no way that they're in even more banged up. I just can't imagine it happening. No, I I don't see it happening either. I'm with you there. You'd have but to get incredibly unlucky for that to happen two years in a row. Even if they are a little bit banged up. I mean, they brought in depth with Leonard Floyd. Who, if, <laughs> if Von Miller goes down, you put in Floyd. I know that's a step down, but still... I'd rather Leonard Floyd steps in than A.J. Epinesa. And if Gregory Russo goes down and Von Miller's still healthy, then you just reunite the old Rams duo. Yeah. Like, that should work. They lost Tremaine Supposedly. They brought in a... Brian Williams. Yeah, and he plays a similar role. He can play the Tremaine Edmonds role. He's not he's quite diet as good Edmonds. At it. Yeah, he's yeah. not quite as good at it, but... Listen, there's not many linebackers you could trust in man coverage with some of the better pass-catching running backs, and Williams is one of them. Yeah, for sure. So that's good. Matt Milano is still a stud. Unless mm -hmm. that was just a random breakout year, now he's going to fall off a cliff, which always could happen. That's fingers safety... crossed. Fingers crossed? As in fingers crossed uh, against him? I just don't like the Bills. Oh. Was that? I don't know. I've it's got random, reasons. It's a random team to not like. Yeah, um, I've got my reasons. <laughs> All right. I'll just Moving on. let you leave it at that. Then the safety duo I like. And then offensively. I mean, the offensive line, in my opinion, got better. I, I don't think anyone's really going to disagree with that. Mm -hmm. The running back room doesn't matter if you just don't run the ball. And the Bills don't run the ball. So, <laughs> is what it is. And then in terms of the receiver core, 
yeah, they lost two big slot guys for them, but they brought in a tight end that basically is a slot receiver, Dalton Kincaid, who I like mm-hmm. a lot. I'm a big fan of him. I'm one of the few people that are actually at least a decent fan of the pick. Many people despise it. I imagine you're yeah. on that train. I am indeed. Which, I, I get the logic around it, but I've ranted around this pick so much. If you want to hear my logic for liking it, just listen to... Uh, There's definitely multiple. Probably the first episode after the draft, I talked about it for sure. And then yeah. I talked about it on the Hammy Takes pod with Geek. And okay. I know Geek was strong-minded against the pick. He heard out my logic, I heard out his. I get the logic against it, but I just think it's a unique way to team build that could work. But it's not traditional at all, and that's why I get people not liking it. Listen, I I look at this team. There's a weakness or two, but overall I think it's a team that if things go right for them, they can make a deep run. Yeah, absolutely. Like... Do the Chiefs still outmatch them in many areas? Yes. Could Tredavious White not have a bounce back season and all the defense is still struggling to, you know, really recover from injuries last year? Sure. Are they maybe going to struggle because the defensive coordinator that has been very, very good for them isn't there? Sure, that could also have a large effect. Could the lack of a run game have a very big effect on the team? Yeah. But most of that stuff is going to come into effect later in the year. And maybe some of these rookies like Osiris Torrance, like Dalton Kincaid, like Dorian Williams, really allow them to make up for those issues when they get later into the year. I don't think they're a team that's going to get exposed until later in the season, which is great for them. Yeah. That being said, people are still talking about the Super Bowl window closing. When exactly do you see that happening, right? Uh, obviously, as they continue to advance through Stephon Diggs' contract, if he's even still there, uh, as they continue to advance through Josh Allen's contract and start paying him more, when do you really think it starts to bite them in the ass? Well, I don't even think it's that that they've really got to worry about. It's the age on their defense. I mean, their big names are Trey White, who's not getting any younger, Vaughn Miller, um, Matt Milano, both their safeties are old, and a lot of their young talent is still like in limbo, where they haven't quite lived up to their expectations. Look at a guy like Boogie Basham or AJ Epinesa, who you mentioned earlier. Uh, it that's what scares me for Buffalo more than anything is just where their defense is going to be in a year, let alone in five years, in two years, three years, whatever. Now. I don't want to say their window's going to close anytime soon because I find it hard to believe that their window closes at all as long as Josh Allen is at the helm because that dude is that dude. But, you know, obviously there's going to be a point where they're not the unbeatable Bills anymore, and I do think that's going to come down to their defense. They're going to have to do a lot of work to to replace the production they're getting from a lot of these guys, and even then, obviously, there's no guarantee they'll be able to anytime soon. The Bills are just one of those teams where I look at it, and I'm like, damn, I really just wish they were in the NFC. This D- a, yeah. This is a team that I want to see, even though you don't like your Bills for whatever reason. Yeah. This is a team that I want to see do well. All right, I do. 
Because I do think the way they're team building, although it's not traditional at all, and although you as a big run game supporter don't like a team not building around the run, which I get, and mm-hmm. I don't want us to develop into a league where teams aren't running the ball at all, but I do want to see something like this work. I do want to see this unique approach working. I do want to see a guy like Josh Allen have success in this league. However, it just sucks because they're in the same conference as the Bengals, the Chiefs, the Ravens, like all these other really good teams. Mm-hmm. I hate to see it. I feel like everyone feels that exact same way. But to me, the big upgrade for this team this year over what it was last year, improvements on the offensive line. Last year, this offensive line unit, I mean, they got an Allen's face. Defenders got an Allen's face. A decent amount. Yep. Josh Allen dealt with a lot of pressure. Allow him to operate in at least a more clean pocket. That offense becomes much more dynamic. Josh Allen stops throwing as many picks because we know that was a problem for him last year. Things start to look a lot better and people will stop giving Josh Allen disrespect because they don't watch any games or film. They just look at stat lines and they're like, he led the league in interceptions. He must be the worst quarterback of all time. Right. Yeah. Which is obviously stupid. Anyone that says that, I mean, do you know ball? I highly doubt it. Probably not. Now let's talk about their division rivals to wrap this up. New England Patriots. <laughs> but not a good I forgot team. that was on the agenda. Did you? <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I think that pretty much wraps up the Patriots. Like, or sums up the Patriots, rather, not wraps up. Uh, does anyone really remember them at this point? I mean, I remember them ruling the league for my yeah, entire Right, life right, but I mean, like, now. the current Patriots. Are you? Do they cross your mind? Like, when you're sitting here thinking about, like, man, I can't wait to see all these teams play this year. Are the Patriots one of the teams that comes to mind? I mean, Kristen Gonzalez is going to have, like, the best corner career of all time so like yeah but that's it well that uh what else do i like i like uh ramondre stevenson was pretty cool last year yeah he's cool but he openly bashes fullback so i don't acknowledge his existence oh okay i didn't wait but he had yakup he says he doesn't like running behind fullbacks huh but he's he's a center I don't acknowledge him. I like uh, Pierre Strong. He's an underrated guy who really hasn't done anything in the NFL yet, but I liked him a lot in college. Uh, What else do I like about the Patriots? Uh, Who are their backup? Oh, I like Bailey Zappi. That was fun for like a week. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, like you, you, you're right. No one cares about the Patriots. Yeah, they got a dirty quarterback. Nobody likes Bill Belichick except for me, and even then, I'm kind of like Bill. What are we doing? <laughs> you know, it, it's tough. This was supposed to be like a big like, let's talk about Bill O'Brien, but no. Instead, we're just bashing a Patriots team that, you know what. They they've had their privilege, so you know what they they kind of deserve to yeah. get bashed. 
for my yeah. entire childhood. I've been watching you guys ruin the league. You deserve this. But still, I I'm think... I'm not it... anti-Patriot, by the way. I really liked the Patriots dynasty. I just don't like what they're doing currently. Well, I don't think anyone is, but the Bill O'Brien hiring, what do you think there? Um, I don't know. What is there to think of Bill O'Brien at this point? Like, I don't remember. We He was with Bama, right? He was with Bama. Yeah, that was Tua, like, early on, right? I suck at college coaches. Uh, that is something so, I struggle with. I believe he might have been with Tua early on, but I know he was also with Bama last year. Uh, right. He went yeah. back. Yeah. Because he, he got just fired fell apart from the, NFL. the Texans. Well, I don't even think. Yeah. Listen, so you say fell apart, but I was always on the train. Bill O'Brien was a good head coach, bad GM. Yeah, I can see that. I, I, I don't hate that take. I mean, he, he was an abysmal GM. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't hate saying that about Bill O'Brien. I don't hate giving him that pass. And listen, too, I, again, I don't know how much you know about the Bill O'Brien offense, but it, it might not be the most advancing in the world, but it's a pretty, you know, I don't want to say textbook because that kind of oversimplifies it, but it's a pretty good example of how a spread offense can be done right in this league. Yeah. And that's something I'm excited to see the Patriots do. Because last See, year, I, I mean, again, Patriots were a pretty irrelevant team. But, mm-hmm. I mean, you saw them last year. They they were the opposite of spread. They weren't, they mm-hmm. weren't like, opposite of spread. We were very smash mouth. No, they were opposite of spread, but, like, we're still passing the ball a decent amount. Like, what the yeah. hell? They were shotgun, but all the receivers are, like, within, I don't know five yards of the offensive tackle like that's what happens when you have a defensive coordinator running your offense that'll do it that'll do it which again why why the hell did we even try that why was that even like a thing that we attempted to do okay because it's belichick belichick tries off the wall shit most of the time it works and then everyone calls him a genius but every once in a while it'll slip through the cracks and suck and this was an example of that like, let's be real. If the Patriots were good last year, the dialogue around the Patriots would be insane right now. Not like Belichick would be getting praised as a genius once again, and people would put away the Belichick should retire bullshit. And but instead, he tried something and it failed. It was a terrible idea to begin with, but knowing Belichick, there was at least a, there was a non-zero chance it would work for him. That is a unique perspective. You know, I've actually been talking a decent amount recently about, you know, Bill Belichick being, you know, superb head coach. But at the same time, I could see this guy being on a hot seat because of some of these choices he's made since Brady left. But yeah, yeah that, that's I a understand that. unique perspective on but at least the... Bill's defense. Like, what has he had to work with since Brady's left? He hasn't but had a quarterback. He's the His GM. defense has been... Yeah, I know, but it's not like he's had an abundance of opportunities to go get a quarterback. Mac was kind of his chance, and he was like, I don't like... You know what? This one isn't great, but it's all I've got. And he tried it, and it didn't work, and now he's just kind of coasting because he doesn't have a way to get a real quarterback. That, that's the big downfall. I mean, in today's NFL, you have to have a quarterback to be relevant. 
and the Patriots don't. I mean, he was getting be- benched for Bailey fucking Zappy last year. <laughs> yeah, and there were like, points where people were legitimately questioning whether or not Bailey Zappy was better than him. Yeah, like, I hate to break the illusion, Bailey Zappy is not a good thrower of the football. Like, he's fun. Th- that was a fun little time. <laughs> but no, he's not good. Th- this... Zappy Mania was the precursor to Purdy Mania, in which <laughs> oh we're over we're right. overhyping a worked up white boy with a little bit of swagger that did a couple crazy things. The only difference was Zappy didn't have a god squad around him. He was throwing the ball to Tyquan Thornton. So it, I, it, it's I, tough. I, I'm sorry. I I hate how right you were about the precursor to Brock Purdy. It's the truth. Well, no, it, that's why I hate it. Yeah. Nobody nobody wants to acknowledge that Purdy isn't good either. Ba- but it's... <laughs> Bailey, Zappi, Bailey, Z- Bailey Zappi walked. So Brock so Purdy, Brock can, Purdy run. can run. <laughs> Hold on, I'm going to tweet that real quick. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's brilliant. Yeah. No, no there, there's... Listen, Mac Jones. I don't think Mac Jones is horrible. Though. There's worse than Mac Jones that people no, have absolutely. done well with. I don't know. I I don't think this is like some. I don't want to talk too much about Belichick here, and his job state status. But I don't think this is like some. Oh, if Belichick does poorly this year, he's fine. He's the greatest head coach of all time. All that stuff. I don't think he has that luxury this year. Well, no, but I don't think Belichick gets fired. I think they just start a, nudging him into retirement. You don't fire Bill Belichick. Yeah. It doesn't happen. Bill Belichick resign. Yeah, exactly. But what if Belichick wants to keep coaching? Well, then you have him resign and let someone else steal Belichick. Hmm. <laughs> Because, I mean, here's the thing. Like I said, Belichick right now is just doing a lot of experimenting. Yeah. And we've seen it work. I can't remember his name for the life of me for some reason, but the guard they took from Chattanooga in the first Cole round, where everyone was like, oh, yeah, everyone was like, oh, this is a terrible pick, and he, he got laughed at by Sean McVay, and then he turned out to be a dog. Yeah. But the, again, the big problem with him right now is that he's getting too cute with his experiments. And he doesn't have, like, a lot to fall back on. So he's kind of taking these big gambles with no money in the bank as, like, a savings. You know, he doesn't have, like, that safety deposit to fall back on. He's just kind of playing with house money. So by that logic... it's not working. By that logic, do you like him going back to old, reliable Bill O'Brien for this offseason? Yeah. No, I, I... I hate the spread offense, but yeah, I, I think it's a good move for the Patriots and what they're trying to do. And I think Belichick just bringing in somebody who's got that uh, new school, old school kind of blend in his mentality, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. I, I think that works perfectly for him. Yeah, and this is a guy who obviously has familiarity with right. Bill Belichick. Yeah, of course. So I just have a couple questions about how you think that offense might end up being ran. And, you know, you brought up Tyquan Thornton as, like, a joke. But I actually have him written down as, like, a key thing here. 
Not well, no, Tyquan can be good. I'm yeah. just saying you don't want him as your number one receiver. <laughs> O'Brien said that he's going to be an important part of this offense. Yeah. How do you think they're going to use an athletic freak like that? Because we've seen athletic freaks be used very well in the Belichick era of Patriots football. Mm-hmm. Randy Moss worked really damn well. For that mm-hmm. one game, Antonio Brown was there. That worked yep. really damn well. But we also seen it not work too well. Chad Johnson didn't work too well. So <laughs> I forgot that. <laughs> Goodness. There you go. So how exactly do you expect them to utilize a guy like Thornton that is just an athletic freak? I mean, I think the big thing you got to look at here is, again, the quarterback that's going to be throwing him the football. And you have Mac Jones, and he doesn't have a great arm. He's not he's more of a, a precise pocket passer than somebody who's going to air it out. So I think the big thing with Thornton is just going to kind of be getting him the ball quick and letting him cook after the catch. Cause you're not having Mac air it 60 yards to him downfield after he torches somebody. That's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I think you're going to have to get creative with screens and RPOs, um, maybe some pop passes in there. I think almost using him in a gadgety sort of way, but having him be more integral than a gadget player to your offense. Also wouldn't shock me if they started throwing him in the backfield and did some Debo shit with him, but mm-hmm. I don't know how cute they're willing to get. I mean, we haven't seen O'Brien do that with anyone, I, I believe. Mm-hmm. No, we have not. But, I mean, that was also before First the Debo movement, right? So, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of truth to that. Now, obviously you know that they moved on from Jacoby Myers pretty much uh-huh. directly to Juju. Yeah. Do you, If you were asked to pick one, who would you say is the better of those two receivers? I like Juju more. Hmm. I, th- I think the big thing with me is Juju... I-, I hate to do this, but he plays like he wants it more. Like, he, he's a lot more aggressive. And, he's a grittier. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's not afraid to do the dirty shit to get himself the ball, right? He's not afraid to get physical with a corner. He loves to run block, which is a big thing for me. Like, Juju, I, I know it's kind of a joke now because Juju's Juju, but he's almost like the ideal slot receiver in a way like like the old school slot i know yeah, it's changed yeah, yeah. a lot now but you know 10 years ago this is the kind of guy that belichick's pulling off the shelves at kmart and the new the new school slot is the exact guy you're comparing him to though which i find hilarious yeah, yeah. but i mean again i i think it's close enough to where you're gonna see variance between who you like mm. but me being me and liking the old school grittier type of player I lean Juju personally. And what do you think the fact that they're willing to move directly from Jacoby to Juju shows about this offense and the changes that they want to make? Well, I mean, I I think, you know, same thing with Bill O'Brien. You're going back to old reliable, but I do think you're going to put a more modern twist on it, which is where Tyquan Thornton's going to come in. Because obviously, you know, apart from... I'm not going to compare Tyquan to Randy Moss or even Antonio Brown, like... This is a different player mm-hmm. than those two. He has the physical tools, and, and I—he does, but I, he I'm isn't, still obviously he isn't quite yeah. that. 
my point was just in terms of the physical ability, the sky's the limit. Right, right. But my point with that is, like, I think he's going to be playing a, especially more so, I guess, with Mac Jones, again, with his arm. He's going to be playing a different type of role than those guys would be playing in a traditional Patriots offense with Tom Brady, right? So I think Belichick's just looking at this and saying, okay, we know what, or I know what worked for me. I don't have Tom anymore, so I can't replicate it perfectly. So I think we're going to, I I think it's best to blend elements of what worked, the simpler stuff, the stuff that doesn't require you to have the greatest of all time under the center. And then you're going to implement some new stuff. And that's, you know, Bill O'Brien coming over from, uh, from Alabama and and working with some of these more modern quarterbacks. I think he's going to be able to bring a little bit of that with him. And, And I think that that's kind of the, the plan here is to blend the new school with the old school and, kind of cook from there. Now, the last question I want to ask just about the receiver core. Mm-hmm. Apparently, there's a lot of optimism in the Patriots organization about DeAndre Hopkins reuniting with Bill O'Brien. What do you think exactly he offers to a team like this? Well, I mean, you don't have a true X in in New England right now. Like, say what you want about Tyquan Thornton. I don't trust him enough not for yet. that. So, yeah, he's unproven. Yeah, he's not there yet. So you bring in D-Hop, you're getting yourself a true ball-dominant X that you can rely on, on, you know, second and long, third and short, just to get the ball to him and get a first down no matter what. You're going to hit him in the chest, he's going to catch it. You're going to hit him in the hands, he's going to catch it. And I think that would be huge, not only for moving the chains and picking up yards, but also for Mac Jones's confidence, because very clearly that is in a weird spot from all of the weird, like, tinfoil hat shit that's come out of New England with Mac Jones. So I I think adding a big name like that that Mac Jones can just lean on as a security blanket would be huge for him. And then obviously D-Hop's D-Hop. He's still one of the 10, 15 best receivers in football. So... Uh, bringing him in can only be a positive. Yeah, I see. I thought of this comparison a couple days ago. What D-Hop is now is just what Keenan Allen is, but with a much bigger catch radius and just much more consistent. Yeah, Uh, I think that's underselling D-Hop a little bit, but I see where you're coming from. Well, I mean, he gets separation, but not because of his speed, but because of just how He's, precise and technical yeah. of a route runner he is. And then mm-hmm. his catch radius is massive. What do you think is the yeah. big difference? Because in terms of how he plays, it's exactly the same. It's just the catch radius is insane. And Keenan Allen yeah, already I'm, has a big catch radius. but I, I think the thing is I'm just really low on Keenan Allen right now. Yeah, reasonably so. But in terms of the role yeah. he plays, it is identical, correct? Yeah. I, I, okay. If we're talking purely role, then yeah. Um, I was looking more. I was reading too much into that. I was thinking like role is in how productive they'll be and no. how important they'll be and how good they'll be, rather than just what they're doing on a given play. So yeah. No, I I agree with you there. And I think that's the same no matter where he is. Correct. D Hop is playing yeah, pretty that much. Same role. I would be listen if you're bringing in D-Hop and asking him to make plays after the catch, you should be fired from all football jobs. Boy, I sure hope Brandon Staley doesn't do that. Staley, luckily, Staley drafted his big catch radius receiver. He already got No, his, he didn't. 
Quentin Johnston does not have a big catch radius. This is Brandon Staley we're talking about. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. Amateur. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I thought an NFL coach would be competent there for a moment. <laughs> not Staley. Uh, so, <laughs> then, I just want to go over some of the main notes that I took on what I've noticed from previous Bill O'Brien offenses that I think is going to be carried over here compared okay. to last year's Patriots offense. And tell me if you really find any of this interesting. Uh, it's only two major things that we haven't really gone over. Of course, it being more of a spread offense than last year just because last year all the receivers were just right there. All of them just bunched up. Uh, it made no sense. I get it that you don't have an overly talented group. Maybe that's more of a reason to spread your guys out. It really makes no sense to me. They were, mm-hmm. I think they're going to pass the ball more than they were last year and not really. Listen, I really can see Ramondre playing more of a Arian Foster type role. Now that I think I kind of thought about that a little bit more on the spot, I could see that. Can you? I guess. I, I, I can see. I see the vision, yeah. Uh, it's a strange comparison, but I, I think mm-hmm. that could absolutely work. Yeah. So that's an interesting thing that I kind of just thought of on this spot. But I still think Ramondre is going to still have a major role here. Mm-hmm. And then the main thing that I think is a big difference, and this is something that pissed me off so much last year. So last year, the Patriots, the Patriots dynasty, there's a lot of things that were consistent throughout that dynasty. But one of the main mm-hmm. things was that in terms of the blocking scheme they used, they were always a man slash gap blocking scheme. Always, 100% mm-hmm. of the time. Then all of a sudden, this guy, Matt Patricia, comes in. And he just, we're a zone team now. The Patriots under Belichick, a Belichick Patriots team running a zone blocking scheme is the equivalent of a Pete Carroll Seahawks team running an aggressive man blitz heavy defense. <laughs> yeah. But hey, a, a lot of uh Belichick tradition changed last year in terms of blocking especially because I mean they it was their first year without a fullback and I think the entirety of the Belichick era. Yeah. I I I knew that they didn't have a fullback, but that probably was the first time in a while. Yeah, because they had Pat Devlin forever, and he was a dog, and then they got Jakob Johnson, like, right after him. And who was it before that? Oh, that's going to bother me. You continue with your thing. i got to figure this out. Yeah, you're good. But that's one of the main things I find absurdly strange. And the weird thing, too, is they go back to running a man-slash-gap run-blocking scheme, and it just works so much better. So much better. Mm Mm-hmm. Why did they even abandon that? That is the, that is the foundation of what this team is built on. Just randomly abandoning that makes no sense to me whatsoever. It goes it is sacrilegious. And the fact Belichick allowed that to happen. And I know he's trying to get cute and try all this fancy shit. But I'm sorry, that's just not what this team does. You had a 20-year dynasty by running the ball, running plays like duo. Right? Running stuff like that. And then mm-hmm. you just abandon it. Because Matt Patricia, Mr. Lions coach who just brings over every single former Patriots player, 
tells you otherwise? Yeah, so that pisses me off. Thank God that Bill O'Brien is going to bring this back to form and run a man-slash-gap blocking scheme again. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Because, again, it's yeah. like a cursed image in my mind. Patrick Pass and Heath Evans. Those are the two names I couldn't remember. And what years were those? Sorry. That was like the mid-2000s. I think Pass joined in like 02, 03, and then Heath Evans, there was an overlap with the two of them, and then uh, Heath Evans took over. And then 2011 then I, was Bevlin, was Devlin, right? I believe so. Because I'm gonna 2011, check 2011, Bill O'Brien was the offensive coordinator, so that's a little bit, because mm-hmm. I'm curious, if they had a fullback that year, I, I don't think they have a fullback on roster right now. They don't. They do not. So maybe it's just, O'Brien, you know, being O'Brien, spread offense, he doesn't want a fullback. Oh, no, they had a couple seasons, 2009, 2010, 2011, they didn't have a fullback on the roster. Well, there you go. That's gross. <laughs> Shame on them. Well, I think it was an O'Brien decision, so get mad at this guy that we're talking about, that we spent, like, probably about 25- Devlin. This is the only podcast that spent... 25 minutes talking about Bill O'Brien. So you're welcome, <laughs> Patriots fans. All right? Don't say I don't love you. Devlin popped in in 2012 and only played a game. So he, he took so over right like once, in the early 2010s. Right once O'Brien went to, to Alabama. Yeah. All right. Anyway, is there anything you want to end this up on? Or? Yeah, fuck Bill O'Brien. All my <laughs> homies say Bill O'Brien. Yeah. Did you end up tweeting that? Uh, I did. That is the best tweet. I had a Patriots fan reply and say Zappy is bad, and I said, "Yeah, that's that's kind of the point." <laughs> and then someone else replied and said, "I'll guarantee if they switched roles, people will be talking about Bailey Zappy like a future or a late round steal, future star quarterback." <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, they would. You're telling me that you don't get the same hate that? Ooh, another person liked my Osiris Torrance pick. See, my Osiris Torrance tweet. See, I. Not everyone hates my takes. Surely it's someone pushing an agenda against the Rams. Uh, let's see. Oh, it's a bot. Damn. That's <laughs> All right. Anyway, if you want to check out tweets like that amazing one that stirred up this conversation, check out not just his Twitter, which is just David, which is just at MillerFootball underscore, right? Yeah, it's underscore because I had to keep it consistent with the yeah. TikTok. And then, of course, I am at no huddle NFL, no capitals and no spaces with an underscore at the end. That is again at no huddle NFL, no capitals and no spaces with an underscore at the end. On all other platforms, though, I am at no huddle NFL, TikTok and Instagram. So not all other platforms, but pretty close. Those are the only two that matter. No huddle NFL, no capitals and no spaces. Anything else you want to plug before we end this or? Yeah, uh, check out my YouTube channel. Uh, apparently, YouTube made it so now you only have to have 500 subscribers to make money, and I'm at 130. So the sooner I can make money, the sooner I'll feel like I've done something with my life. So just check that out. Just Miller Football, no underscore. Uh, there's a lot, a of, lot of fun stuff coming up over the summer. Surely, Mr. Cipher here will be involved in that at some point, considering he has no true allegiance. <laughs> what's that supposed to mean hold on with the with the team previews you oh, said oh, you can oh, just oh, plug yeah, yeah. in i said i'll be a swiss army knife all right 
Yeah. I thought you were trying to call me like a traitor or something. I was like, hold the <laughs> fuck on. Where did you get that? Uh, listen, everybody's gangster until Patrick Cypher pulls up on the Lions episode. <laughs> That's show. I'm chill with that. Because apparently Lions fans don't exist. That's surprising. I know. Yeah. A lot of people are high on the Lions. I'm surprised there's not at least one. I can't believe I'm going to say this. Bandwagon Lions fan. <laughs> Here in the darkest timeline for that to be a phrase <laughs> that is uttered. Jesus Christ. Even like even like a Hendon Hooker fan. <laughs> Hendon Hooker doesn't have any fans. You'd be surprised. A lot I of... have more fans than Hendon Hooker. <laughs> a lot of people just love to see Hendon Hooker, you know, line up under the center. Or sorry, not under the center. He he does not line up under center, ever. Uh line up behind the center with four receivers uh, and two of which are on one sideline, just all the way on the sideline, and then the other two are on the other sideline. And on the sideline, not like... That's my favorite part of watching Tennessee games. Seeing that bullshit, like, what the hell is that formation? Mm -hmm. They run, like, Madden create a play plays. And that's why people love Hendon Hooker. That's why Sorry. I imagine that there's Hendon Hooker fans. Only Tennessee player I care about is Darnell Wright. My glorious king. Darnell Wright's a dog. I, I was actually... Me and you two, me and you both were on that Darnell Wright train before. Uh -huh. I guess not anyone else is on it yet, but... They're all gonna they're be. Not yet. When, when they, they see will, him, yeah, they When will. they see him kill Miles Garrett... I don't even know if they're playing the Browns. But when they see that happen, they're gonna... They're going to be changing up. Damn straight. All right. Thank you for coming on. I hope you all enjoy this episode. Every Wednesday, these episodes are going to be coming up. I'll see you all next week.